listening to the Moderately Interesting Podcast with my dad and his friend. Go get them, guys! Alright, a quick uh, note. This is the Murderous Owl Robots versus One Really Big Chicken by the Voltmeter Persona. Thanks for recording this, guys, for us. We are recording. We're hot. We're hot. Let's go, baby. We're hot. Hi, Steven. Hi, Derek. How are you? I'm great. This Hello. is this is awesome. Hi, Brian. Brian. How's it going? How are you, Brian? I'm, I'm saying well. great. I'm so kind of tired tonight. I'm kind of tired tonight, but I feel good. But it's okay. It's okay to be Just tired. Been getting after it. Yep. It means you're working hard. Right. Yeah. You Grinding. Know, that's what it is. Yeah. And it was hot. We Brian and I were out. We had a uh, Brian's our head coach of our yep. kids' uh, baseball the team. Head coach. Yeah. He's the head coach. Yeah. Uncle wow. B. Uncle, also, don't call him Uncle B in front of all the kids. They start laughing. It's yeah. hilarious. Steven did that. And, uh, B for baseball. I told, uh, I told Charlie he is not to call me Uncle B when we're on the on the diamond. I love that, that you're stepping up Coach. and you're trying to do something for the youth of America. Giving back. <laughs> Giving back. I respect that a lot. Well done having the first practice on 104 degrees. <laughs> yeah, it was hot out there. It nice. was. Hey, it's summertime. What do you yeah. expect, right? Summertime Missouri. Good to be back with Missouri. you guys. Yeah. You know, I'm got excited, a cold so. beverage and hot mics, man. I like it. So I... Podcast name. <laughs> cold beverages and hot mics. Yeah. I like it. No, um, actually, I I really enjoyed our last podcast, the three of us. Um, and Brian enjoyed it so much that he wanted to come back and do another one. So, Perfect. I we, think this is we have Brian in the budget, so come on, come on back. If, I, if it's just one beer to, for for episode for Brian, yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. Excellent. We so. can get you for two episodes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this podcast is we're going to be a little more serious than we have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the last few episodes, number one, we were testing out the software, testing out our equipment, trying to figure out if this is even going to work because <laughs> it's all just put together. And um, so it's funny. So uh, the place I work at. I'm not allowed to say what hospital I work at. They have rules about how I can't like talk about that stuff. My boss said that I'm not supposed to, so I'm not. That means they, there's a lack of trust. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but the place I work at has an audio person, and uh, we were going through pictures, and I was showing him how we have our setup and stuff like that. He's like, "Man, you know how much you spend off of that?" I'm like, "Maybe 120." He's like, "Really?" He's like, "If I see something, I want to go buy it and stuff." For this like, whole thing, 120 for the whole thing. The um, I got this for free. Um, our church has a few of these, and this was an extra one. And I'm bar- I'm borrowing it for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my but- neighbor's been borrowing his projector from the church for about four years now. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's I a nice it. projector. Fellowship. It's a, oh, it's a well, nice. We, projector. we had it. We had it for one of the Blues games on the side of that. Oh, yeah. somebody's yeah. house. <laughs> I googled it and I was like, surely this thing's like eight hundred dollars. <laughs> hey. But no, I mean, we'll you know, I, I leave my bass there. I, I take home. No, uh, no, my my music uh, director said that this would be a good thing to try to see if it works and all that stuff. And then this, all of this was like, I got mics for like fifty bucks, mics, boom stands, and all that stuff. So I'm at 120 into this. They say some of the most critically acclaimed movies are the lowest budgets. Oh yeah, Pulp Fiction, for example. Right. So hey, I think we're on to something, fellas. Mm-hmm. Low budget, hot mics. We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> no, and yeah, so like this is uh, spiking. So uh, he, because he's the guy to get out and work is like, he's our audio guy. So he's got these fancy microphones that are thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and he's got like audio interfaces and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, we're making a podcast off of, you know, whatever. And he's like, dude, that's awesome. I'm glad that's cool that you're doing that. So, yep. um, so yeah, so our last few episodes have been kind of. More fun, just kind of testing out stuff, testing out volumes, making sure mic 
making sure that Brian talks into the microphone appropriately, even though he is respectful. Uh, making eye contact, he's talking into the mic. So we've got him set up now that he can actually, whatever direction he looks, the mic will pick him up this time. Adjustments. So, yeah. Adjustments. Yeah. So it's, it's the key to winners. Winners yeah. adjust. So um, just to kind of set up today's episode, um, it's something that uh, a few people, uh, Derek, you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, we, so we obviously, at the end of each each one of our podcasts, we asked for feedback, right? And so I was approached by a few neighbors and they were like, hey, listen, you know, like I'm really enjoying listening to the first few episodes, getting to know you guys. And I'm just curious, you know, you guys talk about being more of kind of the moderate perspective, more of just kind of like a, a common sense conversationalist approach to things. Are you going to talk about some of these things that have been happening across the country when it comes to school stuff, school shootings, security, things like that? Um, you know, mostly because of the uh, the Uvalde stuff. And I was like, you know what? That's great feedback, and absolutely we should address that, I think, because, you know, as a... I mean, two of the three of us have kids in schools, right? Um, we all come from different upbringings and such, and everybody has such rabid opinions, it seems, on a number of different things. So, yeah, I think it's really important that we at least have a conversation about it because, I mean, I, I've preached that since the beginning of this, and Stephen, I think you have as well. It's like it all starts with a conversation, regardless of the topic, right? So um, the topic for this one was going to be school shootings. They keep happening. It's the same MO every single time, and you have people yelling about this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do, but is anything going to happen, and is that the right approach? Mm -hmm. So in a nutshell, that's what we were going to talk about tonight, just kind of Get yeah. some perspective and I, and I know that we all have different opinions uh the three of us are pretty much middle of the road type uh political views are middle of the road but each one of us probably has a little bit different opinion we actually talked about that in the pre-show um we are going to probably disagree on some stuff which is going to be cool because we're going to be able to talk about it that's you right are, you are outnumbered when <clears throat> i lived here yeah you, uh <laughs> yeah so that mic brian uh -huh. pop it with your finger what right there we go. So it's a it's a the mic has to pick up your voice. Okay. So you actually have to get really close. Is it 120 bucks, now? Brian? 120, 120 bucks. Got to get close. Yeah, here you know. If you don't hear yourself in the mic, okay, uh, it's because the mic needs to be popped. And I can always edit that out and post. So cool. Um, and so uh, one of the things that we talked about was well, actually one of the things that happened was at the last county council meeting, not this one, this last week, but the one before that when we were getting this all set up. Uh, the uh, one of the captains uh, of the St. Charles County Police Department was asked to go and discuss um, safety, school, uh, the response in the community, and some of that stuff. So we've got some of the audio from that. We'll discuss some of the topics on that, um, and we'll give our feedback of that. And then we'll also just just talk about our thoughts on gun control and all that kind of stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and let's do the audio first. And we'll go through there and Great we'll listen it. to, the, uh, to the, the officer talk, uh, and we'll talk in between and give our opinions. So, sound cool? Great. All right. We, we did some looking into this, and what we found was that law enforcement, uh, the schools, and the mental health community all prepared and talked a lot about school shootings, but none of them talked to each other. So one of the things we did back then was to get those three groups together created a great dialogue and out of one of the things that came out of it was this uh, effort by the uh, sheriff's department to coordinate the MACTAC training for all law enforcement agencies in St. Charles County, prepare officers to respond to active shooter incidents 
And I've asked uh, Chief uh, Friz to come, and he's uh, with him is, uh, is Captain Dave Cathy to talk about what we did then, and I hope to reassure all of us and everybody at home that should this ever happen here, that our law enforcement people are prepared to do the right thing. So Okay, to set this up then, um, this was a presentation at our county, at St. Charles County Council, uh, put on, uh, Dave, Captain Dave Cathy is the one that put on the presentation, um, and he is, uh, he's got a slide presentation, and if anybody needs more information, I'm going to put it in the show notes, um, you can go to St. Charles uh, County Police Department, they've got a section on uh, active shooter and uh, anti-terrorist uh, reactions, and they have these slides, and they talk through what they're prepared for, so uh, we're just going to talk through some of the stuff. Uh, give our opinions about some of that stuff about uh, what he says and um, give some of my perspective. I've been through some active training, active shooter training before myself. So I wanted to talk through some of that. So, yeah, no, it sounds great. I, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Actually, if you're looking for my reaction, like I, I love hearing that, okay, we've got three different specialists that are tasked with doing certain things. Mm -hmm. And then to have the wherewithal to understand, wait a second, they're not talking to each other. We need yeah. to correct that, mm -hmm. and we need to improve that. So I actually am very satisfied with that response. Yeah, and yeah. this is coming out of uh, 2000s. So that was all done in the 2000s. There's okay. a lot of, um, like you said, there's mental health. There was uh, police departments. They weren't talking to each other about how they can do this. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of a lot of this he's going to talk about. We learned from this event, and we learned from this event. Mm -hmm. And with law enforcement, first responders, I'm, in, I'm part of that community, we do a lot of post-event debriefing and what did we learn from this event mm -hmm. and so a lot of these lessons that we learned from earlier shootings columbine we have implemented as part of our trainings today so mm -hmm. um so let's get into the next clip got it thanks for having me hopefully this uh slide will i was requested this uh over the weekend in reference to the, another tragedy yet again in the united states at school um and we wanted to reassure the council and the citizens of the county that uh, we have been trained properly and we are prepared for uh, an active shooter incident such as that, that this happened in Texas again. You know, he wants to reassure the county that they're properly trained for their, for their incidents. Um, to recap the incident he's talking about in Uvalde, mm -hmm. uh, there were 19 children and two adults that were murdered uh, in the school. Um, the... Suspect uh, shot his grandmother two days prior to the event. He was, being, uh, I believe, on the run, being investigated by the cops and ran in, and hit the school with his car, ran inside and barricaded himself and uh, did this murder. Um, the suspect bought two rifles, uh, one on May 17th and May 20th. Um, he bought uh, 375 rounds on the 18th. So rifle was bought on the 17th, bought the next day on the 18th, 375 rounds. Then again, bought on the, another rifle on the 20th. Um, hopefully this will... Uh, definition of MACTAC. MACTAC is what we taught. We started teaching MACTAC in 2012 at the assistance of uh, uh, Mr. Ellman and uh, the chief at the time. Uh, we went through and selected individuals from every police uh, agency in the county, and we had about 25 instructors. And at that point, we, uh, we mustered them all together and, and we put on a training for the entire county 
every certified police officer in St. Charles County was taught at that time. So over 650 people, over 650 police officers were taught at that time. Uh, what we taught was MACTAC. MACTAC was brought um, to us after 2008, uh, around the time of Virginia Tech shooting. Obviously, we had the, the major incident that pushed every police uh, agency in the, in the country to change their tactics was Columbine. Before that, we would surround, call out, call SWAT. Uh, so basically what he's talking about there is the uh, the Columbine shooting that happened. Uh, and then on April 16th, 07, the Virginia Tech shooting. There's been so many I forgot about the Virginia Tech one. Is that a yeah. problem? Yeah. So the Virginia Tech one, there was an undergrad student who had some mental health issues. Uh, he was accused of stalking uh, and of some students there, and he was just not mentally. Yeah. My point is, is like, there should be a short list. It's not a short list. It's not a short list, unfortunately. Uh, the Virginia Tech shooting, uh, the the suspect killed 32 people with two semi-automatic handguns. Mm -hmm. um, what he did was he basically chained, he actually went into a main building, one of the main classrooms, and chained the doors and locked them shut. He, you know, purposely yeah. barricaded yeah. the doors um, so that nobody could escape and kill 30 people. So uh, he killed two people before he did that, then he killed 30 in that classroom. Uh yeah, that's, so that's what happened with that. I see you're double-checking to make sure those numbers are right. It's pretty. It's a lot of numbers. High it numbers. is, and, and yeah. it's it's unfortunate, you yeah. know, that we have to talk about it like that. Yeah. Well, it's it's. I like that there's conversations going on, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, so far from the audio that I've heard, I really appreciate that St. Charles County is trained because I know we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about just reactions to things overall after we go through some of the audio. But one of the big things that I want to talk about was just the preparedness yeah. and the expectation of what we expect our local law enforcement to be able to do in those types of situations. And mm -hmm. so far I'm really impressed yeah. that they're prepared and there's obviously a seriousness taken to it. I'd be really interested at some point to kind of understand if Uvalde or these other like smaller communities have that type of training training mm -hmm. offered to them or if it's done or if it's emphasized just because mm -hmm. you know from the outside it sounds like if there was training it was like hey check a box yeah. kind of thing and then you freeze so, so interesting what he said uh captain Kathy said at the end of that clip was that their tactics up to that point up to Virginia Tech mm -hmm. uh, in 07 was basically surround and then call SWAT um, and he'll talk about that in some more clips here in just okay. a second yeah. about how that didn't work anymore. So. Yeah. No, this is very enlightening for me. I'm obviously not law enforcement, nor am I a first responder. So it's good mm -hmm. to kind of get a peek behind the curtain of how how these people think. And I love that there's an adaptation, you know, mm -hmm. All right, and let's, there's debriefing. Let's go to the next one. Um, we realized that wasn't working um, and uh, made some more changes uh, eventually after the Virginia Tech shooting where the uh, individual went inside, locked the doors, and continued his mass murder spree inside the uh, theater. We realized we had to have quicker action, so we've gotten quicker and quicker. Uh, Mac Tech came, came through us because uh, a bunch of agencies, including the military special ops, um, large agencies like uh, LAPD, 
all the way over to um, uh, New, New York came together and they decided on a plan that we could all use that would be beneficial across the country. So ever since then, um, pretty much every, every agency that I speak to and I go to a lot of different places in training, we pretty much all do MACTEC, whether it's called MACTEC, most of them are called MACTEC, but sometimes just, they just call it active shooter training. So what he was just talking about was um, results from learning. He gave some examples of some incidents that happened, um, talked about some of the big departments across the country. And this is typical on how first responders typically learn. Um, we have a model where uh, we go to an event, we, we do what we need to do, uh, we do a debriefing, and then we spend the next few months kind of reviewing it, learning from, from errors, what, what happened was, that was good, what happened that was bad? How do we learn from that? How do we progress? And so, uh, unfortunately, uh, we have to learn from disasters because that's what happens. And so, uh, an example in my line of work of search and rescue, we went down to a tornado um, back in December of last year, uh, learned that a certain way of marking things or using GPS to mark houses that are destroyed or that are good um, helped better our process so that we could do more good for the most people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, we're actually getting some cool equipment, which helps us do that better on our search and rescue team. And they FEMA sent out some um, training that we need to do to be up to speed with stuff because we used this in the last deployment and it worked really well. So now they're pushing it out to all the teams across the country. And so typically this is how law enforcement first responders typically get training. Events happen. Unfortunately, we respond how can we make it better next time? Absolutely. And so he mentioned LA, uh, LAPD, the military, all of these big cities. A lot of the times, a lot of those big metro departments put out good information on this. Uh, Phoenix Fire, in the fire, in the fire service, Phoenix Fire was the uh, gold standard for a long time on how to train and how to respond to fires. Uh, they put out a lot of good information on how to better yourselves. I love the sharing of resources. I, I think that's, I think that's great that there's the debriefs that go on after the events. I mean, you talk about unfortunately disasters happen, and then you have to learn from them. But at least you learn from them. Yeah. You know, it, and if you and, don't learn from them, then well, and the thing, the goal is everyone from. go home at the end of the day. That's right. And so, if there is a event, we want everyone to arrive safely, mitigate the event safely, and everyone go home. And unfortunately, with Matt, with shootings like this. We want to get there quickly and, and take care of that. So sure. All right. Next clip. Why did we do MACTAC? The incidents are spontaneous, obviously. Uh, we have no idea they're going to happen. Suspects are unpredictable and usually heavily armed. 98% uh, of them are act alone. Uh, incidents involve large victim environments or what we call soft targets. They have no way of defending themselves. First responders were outgunned, initially they were. Uh, first responders were not sufficiently trained, which we found out from Columbine. Uh, tactical or SWAT intervention is way too late to be effective. Most in incidents last between three and five minutes. That's, that's the golden time we have. So it's a quick, it's a quick event, is what he's saying, is that you've by the time they recognize there's a threat, uh, stuff's happening three to five minutes is pretty much the time they have. Real easy to play armchair quarterback. 100%. Mm -hmm. Real that's, easy. That's where a lot of talking heads and a lot of people on the radio and out there are 
well, they should have done this or they uh-huh. done this. And, it, and that bothers me more than anybody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Because it's not a forensic um, look at what happened. It's they should have off the cuff. Yeah, we, you and I are in agreement on that. And we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more. But it's real easy to say, well, why didn't you do this? I'm like, have you been in this situation? Are you trained to be in that situation? Right? Three to five minutes and 90, and there's statistics, 98% of the time, it's it's the same thing. Right? So there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to the last clip about uh, officer training and then non-for-profit training. Uh, originally, we got that from St. Louis County, as I discussed earlier. Uh, we've, we've taught our um, 650 in St. Charles County commissioned officers um, a 10-hour block. Uh, anybody that's been through that training knows it's very rigorous. It's a long, hard day. Starts with, uh, starts with the basics, uh, crawl, walk, run. And by the end of the day, they're doing scenarios uh, where the, the lights are going off, uh, fire alarms are going off. We have audio recordings of shootings. Um, uh, live, uh, we have live blanks going off, as real as we can get it. Um, run, hide, fight, this is what we go around to the schools and teach, and we'll, we'll do schools or uh, non-for-profit organizations. Uh, what we do for them is a four-hour block, and it's a PowerPoint followed by scenarios and stop the bleed training. I'm excited to hear your reaction to this because you actually took this training. Yeah, so I took the uh, four-hour class. The uh, my employer, who's a non-for-profit um, hospital, uh, put on an active shooter uh, training for us, which was really good. Um, they teach uh, run, hide, fight, which is you run uh, from if if we hear an active shooter, we run away from the the sounds. Um, you hide and also barricade yourself. And so um, when we did this training. Uh, we were in the classroom. They did a PowerPoint presentation. They talked about this. They, they ran some statistics like this. So it talked about soft targets and all that. And then all of a sudden, one of the cops in the back of the room yelled, active shooter, active shooter, and like had like an alarm, like a blowhorn, and like blew a blowhorn. And they're like, go, go, go. And we ran. And so I ended up in a room with like three nurses and like a respiratory therapist. And we barricaded ourselves. We took a stretcher, uh, a patient care stretcher, unlocked it, shoved it against the door, locked it. And then put some other stuff there. I grabbed an IV pole. Like, I'm in the room, like, ready with an mm-hmm. IV pole. Yep. And um, they had blanks going. Like, they had, like, real... Intense. Uh, intense. People banging on the doors, trying to actually get in to see if they if you did a good job. Um, you know, when they found people that were not in secure places, they said you were dead. You know? And so... And then afterwards, after the event... Um, your heart's pumping, your adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. yeah, I feel like just that training would be really intense. It was, it was, it was really cool. I, I enjoyed it. Like, well, I mean, they always say in anything, practice should be worse yeah, than the yeah, game. Yeah. So, yeah, the and, training. And, I'm feeling it right now as you explain it. I'm yeah. like, oh my god. Oh yeah, it was intense. Like yeah. people were grabbing oxygen tanks. I mean, they weren't gonna swing them, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're I'm, like, they're like, ready. grab, grab something because they're gonna try to bust through that door. Mm-hmm. Um, and so afterwards, we did debriefing, which was cool. We talked about some of that stuff and. Um, the, the four-hour training was very enlightening, and it made me just realize, know my surroundings, know what I can do to barricade myself. So right on, so. yeah. Not, you know, like I, I loved hearing audio from the pros on this. I learned a lot, like in the first half mm-hmm. of this thing, because you know you talk about training and first responder training, and that that honestly helps me kind of digest the whole argument of like, well, why don't we just arm the teachers? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then to hear like the actual training that 
first responders and like nonprofits and those types of people are put through. I'm like, I'm picturing some of the teachers that I grew up with and <laughs> if that's the most viable option, right? Yeah. So that's just kind of where I'm at. So do you have any other thoughts on the audio? Do you want to jump into kind of just overall thoughts? Or? Yeah, I'd like to just go ahead and like, let's move into okay. some overall thoughts. We'll talk about we'll talk about just our perspectives. Yeah, I think um, that's good. And just, just so that everyone knows, we aren't right or wrong. We are, These are just our perspectives and our mm-hmm. thoughts. Um, if you guys have comments after the show, please reach out to one of us, you know, let us know because we love to talk about this. And we, you know, the more we talk about it and discuss it in the open, the more we can, you know, normalize it and come a plan, come up with a plan and like know that, hey, it's going to be OK. We're going to get through this together. One hundred percent. Yeah. There is a full disclaimer. No, I have no solutions. Right. Yeah. I want solutions badly, um, but I have no solutions. And so one of the reasons why. It was really important that we at least talk about this uh, in this forum was like, okay, you preach conversation and ideas and like seeking to understand. So when I think about everything that's going on, it's real easy to polarize anything. It's like, make it about the gun, make it about school safety, make it about mental health, make it about, you know, the police and the first responders aren't trained. Kind of like it was really easy during COVID to say, make it about the mask, make it about not the mask, because yep. it's simple to understand. Yeah. Right? But it's a complex. Com- it's a but complex. it's complex. And why can't it be about more than one thing? Yeah. Right? right? Why can't it be, hey, let's take a look at the gun situation. I hate the, I hate the term gun control, by the way. Yeah. I, that's, that's almost as ridiculous as the defund the police thing. Yeah. Because, like, that's... That's clickbait stuff, and that drives me crazy. So mm-hmm. do, you can talk about the gun, but can we also talk about, yeah, we have a mental health health issue in this country. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have a social media access issue in this country. Hey, we have a school security issue in soft this country. Mm-hmm. I have that on my notes, so, yeah. a soft mm-hmm. target problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where we, where we create these zones that are soft for people to walk up because bad guys don't follow the rules. Yes, and that's the argument I hear from people. It's like evil is going to be evil. I agree with that. However, what do you do to help evil not be as evil? Mm-hmm. You can't prevent all of it. Correct. But to your point, soft zones, mm-hmm. yep. what can you do to not make it so soft that somebody can just walk in and do things? Yep. You can't prevent everything. This is about learning, and this is about like listening to experts in each of these fields and having them communicate with each other to yep. come up with some type of a solution. Right, because yeah. you can't just sit back and say, "Well, it's going to happen anyway." So let's go ahead and deflect, 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 because that's all people do, and it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, I yeah, hate it. and I think um, you know when these things happen, it's like people just kind of jump in their tribes and you know spout whatever talking points they saw on cable news, and um, like you said, you know it can be about one more more than one thing. I mean, it is a mental health issue. It is to me, it is an issue of should an 18 year old be able to buy a semi-automatic rifle with 300 plus rounds of ammunition, you know, day of. So what can we do there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so one of the things, so uh, we're doing some construction projects in our, uh, at my work and a gentleman came down from Minnesota and he took his first kid to like the pre-kindergarten because he start here his one of his daughters starts this fall, um, and this was right after the shooting. And so at lunch, uh, after we did our construction stuff because we were watching an MRI get swung into the building, it was pretty cool. I got a video of that too. <laughs> um, we went to lunch. He's like, "Hey, you know, this. I know you got young kids. 
do you mind if we talk about this real quick? Because I know you're, you know, you've got viewpoints and stuff like that. And so we we had we spent a lunch talking about it. Um, and he brought up a lot of good points. And so we all are going to have viewpoints and thoughts. Um, I think we can talk about them, but we're not going to have an actual. At the end of this episode, there is not going to be an answer. Just probably more questions, mm-hmm. but that's okay. That's okay because it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. So, can we all agree? Table stakes that we don't want kids getting mowed down in a school <laughs> with an AR by somebody that's mentally ill. Yes, or yeah. not mentally ill, just no, a monster. Just yeah. yeah. We so if we can agree on that, then we can start the conversation. Mm-hmm. If we can't agree on that, then you're not a part of the conversation. Yeah. Like, like right. nobody yeah. says murder is good. Right. Exactly. Right. We're not like let's, let's let's talk about let's talk about how do we get to that. I point. just yeah, and I. I hate the the idea of well, there's nothing we can really do about it. Like yep. it's just going to happen. Well, that's that's not a an acceptable answer to any problem no matter what it is. Like when you have something that you acknowledge is a problem, then you start coming up with solutions instead yeah. of just There saying. there was a there's a saying back on when I was a firefighter, somebody had it on their email, it was um evil wins when good men do nothing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we have to be good men. Mm-hmm. And good has to prevail over evil. Mm-hmm. That's what has to happen. It's really hard to admit that you don't know something. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a lot of people find strength in knowing or strength in like, this is how it has to be. It's actually more difficult to say, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I send four kids to school, right? Mm-hmm. And I hope, trust, I, I say trust more than hope, I, I guess, would be that that the school is trained in security, that there's procedures, that any anything that is controllable is controlled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I completely understand if I'm at an airport going through security, if somebody wants to walk in and do whatever, you can't stop that. But the difference is security at the airport is armed. There's a deterrent. There's mm-hmm. a deterrent. There, there is some type of a deterrent. So mm-hmm. let's go through each one of those things. Um, police department. Uh, soft targets, deterrence, and then I think there was one more. We'll we'll come up with the other time. Okay. So, um, as far as uh, listening to Captain uh, Kathy and his talk, um, and again, I'm going to post the uh, link to the St. Charles County if anybody wants to look at the actual PowerPoint slides or listen to his. Uh, I think they even had the YouTube video up where you can listen to his talk. Um, I feel that St. Charles County has done a good job as far as training their police force in um, active shooter training. And I trust you yeah, because you have some experience in that area. And what I heard would not make me feel any differently. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. to have, I feel actually very good right now that that bucket of what is controllable with all of this mm-hmm. is satisfied. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. For, for a smaller community, I think our community officers are really good. I think the, community, the officers of mm-hmm. St. Charles County and even the municipalities of Winsville, like St. Louis, they're all trained well, and I and I feel confident in their ability to respond to an event. Perfect. So good. Mm-hmm. And then you know, Lake St. Louis has two. I think they have up to two dogs now. Because I'm a dog guy. You are a dog guy. So I like the fact that they congratulations, have by the way, well, are you. in order for you. I appreciate it. I you passed know? my test this last weekend. What was the test? So exactly. the test was to find um, live victims during a disaster. And it was a three. It's a three-year certification. So I'm now certified as a live fine canine and handler partnership with my dog, and we are able to go to disasters and actively search for life. That's a big deal. Victims. That's a big deal. How long did it take you to get certified? 
three years in a pandemic yep. uh, is what I was telling Huge. somebody. Uh, it, the pandemic just messed up timelines for everything, um, but it, it was a blessing because it allowed me to train with her. And this past weekend, three of our handlers, we all went down to Tennessee. Uh, we all tested, and all three of us passed, which is That's great, which man. is great for our team because then we have more people who can go out the door and help people. Well, I'm proud of you. So I know how hard it was. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good event. Good know, people so. doing good things, man. Yeah, love it was, to hear. It. It was a Memphis isn't that far, but it's that far. Like it's weird because like when you have a dog in the back, like you have to stop every hour. Let the dog out because they start panting and stuff. Kind of like when you're going to Memphis for a bachelor party. Yeah, you know, so stop like, and let the bachelor out every. Exactly, hour. exactly. Oh, yeah. Go to the you know, side of the Got road. And, yeah. So, um, but it was a good time. It was uh, it was a whirlwind trip. It was Friday night. I left, got down there about ten, tested at ten o'clock the next morning, and then drove back. Perfect. So, um, but as far as again, St. Charles County, I'm feeling good about that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is Army teachers. That was the one that you wanted that you brought up. I, I just I, I hear people throw that around. They're like, just arm the teachers. I'm like, okay, <laughs> hang on. I have spent the last year and change of my life listening to people yell about the decision making ability of a teacher. Okay, all right. Who, so, who are those people? Loud people. Are they the loud people? Loud that, people. Okay. Yeah, loud people that don't trust teachers to make decisions on what. They are allowed to teach in their classrooms. Okay. So a little bit of my background, I come from a like just a line of teachers, mom, dad, aunts, um, my sister. So when I picture my mom, for example, my mom is not a what, person. She not, not doesn't have a 45 in her purse that she's walking down. <laughs> she, my mom should not be expected to teach her fourth grade class and then... Well, I, okay, say, I say expected. This is where I have a hard time yeah. because I, I'm, I'm picturing the human element of this, right? So if you're a teacher, you see people every day, the same kids every day, mm-hmm. every day. If you, okay, say, Let's go a little bit further. You're a high school teacher. Okay. Same kids every day, every day, every day. All of a sudden, one of those students is the one that comes in and you are responsible for grabbing a weapon out of a drawer and killing them ending the threat. I think that's very difficult and that's why law enforcement is better at it because they're coming in with no emotion attached to it. And it's just very hard for me to see somebody to be able to react in that moment. Now, if they do, great. If they don't, what does that mean? Is it failure to act? Are they screwed because they're not protected by the same the same rights that the police are for failure to act? There's so much mm. in there. And I just don't. I think that will actually deter people from wanting to teach. I yeah, really yeah. do. And I, okay. yeah, I mean, we're already, you know, we already put a lot on teachers, and so we're at the same time you're going to expect them to. It's carry. just, it's just, a, it's just a lot. And I'm not like I'm not a teacher. I'd love to talk to a teacher about that because I'm sure there's a large percentage of teachers are like, I got it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Well, and, and I, ne- I never thought of that perspective. That's a great perspective. Thank you because I've never thought about that. If it's your kid in your classroom that you've taught for the last year, they're the one that goes off and starts. But right. at the same, go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, another interesting point um, I've heard as far as like active shooter drills in schools mm-hmm. is now like a kid in a high school per se. No, if he's going to do something bad, he knows exactly what's going to happen with those active shooter drills. So like 
it's a little bit of uh, not not saying that you shouldn't do those, but it's de- I think it's definitely a risk that now if you have a school shooter, you're he knows the playbook. Yep. You know. Well, there's a reason that they're going to the other schools, right? Yeah. To your point, soft targets, soft and targets. stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, so uh, going back to your t- arming the teachers, I so I I'll be open and honest. I have my CCW. Um, I believe in the Second Amendment. I gone, I've gone through training, and I have my concealed. Um, it, it's my duty as a good person and law-abiding citizen to uphold life, and even if even if it's and you you said that I mean it's it. I hope I never have to do that. Like that's not something I want to do. But if somebody is endangering my family or my friends or my kids, you have to be able to stop the threat. And they talk about that in in the in the CCWs that you will, I mean, you are stopping the threat. Somebody is threatening your life or your family's life. You have to stop that threat. And I get it if it's a kid that you're teaching. But if you're going to go through that training already and you're a teacher and you know that training, you're already in that mindset of, I know I'm going to have to step up if something happens. If you've got that mindset to begin with. Correct. And so so my thought is, you know, if if teachers don't want to get it, they don't have to. I don't think forcing teachers to become armed is the right choice. But I think having teachers, if they choose to, to have it would be a good option because those teachers that do choose to go through the training and go through CCW class and have that designation know I'm taking the responsibility and the role of this. I'm going to take the burden of it also to stop the threat if something were to happen. There's so much liability in that 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 we'd have to that would have to be discussed, oh, yeah. right? Does that automatically mean now all of a sudden there's cameras in every classroom, you know, and stuff like that? True, but 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 so go, if you go through the actual training, the CCW training, they teach you stuff um, like aim. Aim is a good example. Um, access to the victim, int- uh, intent to harm. And the means to do it. And so we're trained when you take your CCW class. Um, do I have access to you? Um, so Derek, right now I have access to you. Do I have the intent to harm? Derek, I'm going to kill you. That's my intent. That's intent to harm. You're going to get canceled for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Do I have the means to do it? Um, do I have my gun with me? Mm-hmm. Do I have my knife? Do I? Have, do I? Mm-hmm. Am I a, a four-year-old student who's saying I'm going to kill you and I'm four years old? And you're an adult. Yep. That's not the means to do it. So, like, you have to, uh, the law in Missouri states that you have to have all three of those um, to qualify for self-defense. And in, in the case of a teacher who is armed, again, I'm not an expert. So I want to make sure everyone uh, out there knows we're mm-hmm. not experts. We're just talking. Right. Um, <coughs> legally, I, I don't think, if you, if you fulfill those three self-defense rules, I don't think there's a case against you. Because what if you shoot the wrong person? You're, you're. I mean, that's 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 again the training. You have to go through training. But that's not. I I I have a really hard time with that. You've got twenty five to thirty overloaded kids in a classroom and one person, maybe a student teacher, in a situation that all of a sudden there's people in chaos. Somebody left a door propped open because they were trying to chase down a couple of kids to make sure they stayed in line, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, something's going on. They grab their gun. They shoot the wrong person. Are they liable for that? But but again, 
you have That's to what you have nice. to know your target. You have to be, at, you know, access to the, access to you, so you know who's coming at you. You're not people who have who use weapons and firearms don't just blindly shoot people. That's just we, sure. We're, we're not just like laying fire down. We're not doing suppressive fire to somebody down a hall. Right. So the the Virginia Tech incident, mm-hmm. he chained the doors. This guy's walking the halls with two guns in his hand, chained the doors. You know who the you kind of know who the perp is, you know. Right. He, he may he may be sneaking around. I don't know. Again, it's Monday morning quarterback stuff. But typically speaking, when you're doing self defense, you know who the perp is. Do they have access to you and meet intent to harm and means to do it? So, in my mind, I have identified that person at that point. So, I'm not, if I if I, if somebody is a kid in the hallway, I'm not blindly shooting. Because that's what we're trained to do in CCW. Sure. So No, I understand that. I'm trying to think of the personality type or the person that can do all of that as well as in the moment wrangle kids, teach algebra, and uh, not freeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think that'll, that'll deter a lot of people from teaching. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the wrong thing to do or the right thing to do. I just, when I think about that, I, to your point... It happens so quick and it's easy in hindsight to be like, oh, no, you're training. You remember your training and you do those things. And if you're in the middle of doing something, you are completely caught off guard. I just, you know, we're trying to find people that to do jobs. It's so hard to find people. And if they're not fit for that and then all of a sudden they're asked to do it. And I just I, I see a lot of bad, but I also see positives with it. Yeah. You know, but it's it's again, conversation. Yeah. And again, right? we don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's up to you. And that's something I'd love to talk to some teachers about, to be honest with you, how they feel about, you know, being armed. And I think it's more it's more the expectation of what do they have to do in that situation. If they're expected to act like a first responder and a police officer, that's tough. If they're expected to follow this code of CCW that you're talking about, that might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But if they're expected to like, no, we're going to train you to basically do what we expect these first responders to do. Not everybody's cut out to be a first responder. I so. don't think that would be the case. Okay. Because schools have resource officers. They have some. Some of them do. Some. Um, and they have people that are for that role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a first line of defense, if you ask me. Okay. It, I don't view it as, uh, in my opinion, and again, this is Stephen Scott's opinion. Yeah. Uh, I don't view it as they are the front line. We are the police. We're going to take you out. It's I'm in my classroom. Something's going down. I hear gunshots. Somebody's coming down the hall. I'm the first line of defense to stop the threat if it's there. Do you think that that's the first thing that you would do? Like, or as far as like you're saying, like we're talking about arming the teachers or whatever. Like, is that the first thing you would do to try to solve some of these problems? I, I don't know. And because again, active shooter training that they were just talking about: run, hide, fight. Mm-hmm. You run first. Yeah. You hide second. Then you fight. And in my instance with the hospital one, I had an IV pole. That was my that was my defense. Well, I'm kind of thinking like, can't we like, shouldn't we discuss trying to just keep them out of the school first? Well, let's 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 move on to that. That's the the soft target and the access to victims. Good segue. <laughs> it's, like, it's like he's professional. I, know. I mean, it's amazing. Semi. It's bro. amazing how we're almost like <laughs> we're a professional podcast here. So the soft targets, um, schools, hospitals, churches, these are all considered soft targets because there's a large population. And very little security mm-hmm. and very little resistance and a, a lot of uh, and parties or um, 
nightclubs. Wasn't there a Vegas, the uh, Vegas nightclub? Shooter? Orlando, Orlando, nightclub. Yeah. yeah. So these are all uh, soft, large, large victim environments where there's easily confusion and it's loud and, sometimes. I mean, and, and and things are going on. So, yep. Um, I brought up the point earlier about the airports. You know, um, they have security. They have dogs that sniff for uh, explosives, which is a bullet. Sure. And they have not the right example right now. I mean, there's no. obviously yeah, they don't have. But at one time, but at one time, they were a large target, and they got terrorists got on planes mm-hmm. and they blew up stuff. Yeah. So what did what did what happened after that? They implemented. We adjusted. We adjusted. Mm-hmm. We implemented the rules. <laughs> do we do we say that worked? Do we say that didn't work? I think it's worked so far. Let's discuss. Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, I mean, no, I think I mean, that's well, and that's that's where I have an opinion about you know, obviously the the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment, but when when nine eleven happened, they enacted policy changes at airports. There has not been anything like that since. So I don't know what those answers are as far as what changes you make to gun laws, but. I just I don't like the um, the answer of well we can't do anything because yeah. I mean even uh, I was reading about how uh, Justice Scalia who was a very conservative judge said the Second Amendment is not limitless mm-hmm. um, so again I don't know what those answers are it's not going to stop changes to that are not going to stop uh, everything but. It's certainly worth talking about, and I do. I do believe that specifically schools. I think every school needs to have at least one, if not two, officers on. Purpose. Are there enough staff though? I don't know that there's enough officers. I that's mean, the that's the thing, man. Like I would love to say, hey, we can. I would love there to be some type of a resource, one or two at every school. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if we have the resources. Every community definitely doesn't have those kinds of resources. But the thing but. is, you won't make it a priority until it's a priority. And sure. I will, and I will tell you right now, it's the schools that have had shootings. Mm-hmm. I bet you go there and they have resource officers at all their schools now, and it's part of their budget, and they make it a priority. I love it. I mean, and I so, would love that. And so that's the question: is where your where's your 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 money and your budget in a in a business in a school system is where your priorities mm-hmm. are. Yep. Are are we seeing that locally? I don't know. Don't I, know. Actually, I actually don't know the answer to that one. Mm-hmm. I do know that late, uh, the local school that we go to i do see the resource officer there yep so i know the school that i i, I see him around yeah, yeah i see him around in the schools so i'm just thinking you know i would rather see investments in that before we start arming teachers to the teeth yeah to mm-hmm. be honest with you like i would rather like hey do we, we're, not we get to, we get we're not arming teachers we're not we're not arming teachers the so that's that is a that is a blown out proportion of what we were just talking about is it? That's, that's not not every single teacher needs to have a firearm like that's your mom should your mom should not have a firearm, I guess you know. But mm-hmm. like, I I like the idea of having officers on on board on site. I agree with security. that. I would love that so, if we can make that work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was it? Was there another one? So we got we got um, mental the, health. Mental health. That's the one. Mental yeah. health was the other one. That one's hard. Well, let's just admit that there's an issue with mental health, and yep. I mean, we can, as a society, we still we, we're getting better about it, but I don't think we, 
I think we I don't think we treat it as like because it's not physical, you can't always see it. But I mean, life's hard, man. I mean, life's hard on adults, it's hard on kids and you know, I still I think anxiety and things like that are still stigmatized. But it, what <laughs> well, what what makes me think twice is like, hey, um all so it's the same MO with all of these mass shootings. Well, like with the school shootings anyway, it's like, hey, get a gun, get a lot of ammo, kill grandma or the caretaker, mm-hmm. walk to the, the school, take care of business, dead. It happened with Sandy Hook, too. It's the same thing over and over again. And that's so if it wasn't the same thing, I, I wouldn't really know where to start. But I'm kind of like, is it is it a mix of the person's got some mental issues I don't know what they're doing in their spare time. I mean, they're obviously, I don't know if that's a copycat thing or if that's they're doing research to try to find the the best ways for them to be able to get in. But there's there's a trend, you know. And so I just want to start with, can we admit that there are some people that have issues with mental health? And if we turn our backs to it, it's a problem. But how do you identify mental health and what regulations do you put on mental health? That's the mm-hmm. that's the big question, because. Like you said, everyone, there's a stigma with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. I, I will wager that our society makes people depressed from a from a clinical point of view. At some point in their life, they are clinically depressed or have anxiety. Does that moment in time stop them from recreationally having firearms in their house or having their CCW or having other access to firearms and ammunition that I, like I'm never going to shoot a school up if I had depression in my past if we if we start doing regulations based on mental health mm-hmm. does that deter me so like for example um if you get your medical marijuana card you can't have a firearm like ever for the rest of your life because really? you have your medical marijuana card for some for for recreation. Interesting. Use. I wasn't even getting into the firearm stuff. I don't even think they have to tie into each other. I'm just thinking more like if you're 10 years old and you've got an issue, but nobody tries to address it with you, and you have no outlet, then all of a sudden you're 11, you still have no outlet. You're 12, you start to see social media, you start to get upset, you start to get bullied. Okay, now you're 13, now you're mm-hmm. 14. It doesn't have anything to do with the gun but, or the firearm until it's like, you know what? I want to be like these guys that I've yeah. already seen and then none of the other actions were taken that we talked about with like deterrence or training or anything like that. And the same thing happens over and over again. So I was maybe talking more talking points of what people mm-hmm. are out there talking about mm-hmm. with guns and mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To your point, you're talking about just the mental health. I was just talking in general, just like with mm-hmm. people having that issue. If, yeah, we can but, go but there with the, the guns and At that and point, health. the 10-year-old, number one, who's the parental guardians? Who's taking care of the kid? They might be, they might be non-existent, right? I mean, yeah. who knows? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then as a society, how do we help that i don't know don't know don't know like no. i don't have an answer to that one schools you know they're limited again with resources and mm-hmm. what they have available to people mm-hmm. um and and even some parents are like i don't want you talking to my kid mm-hmm. even though they may be in a bad mental state i don't want you talking to my kid well then you just document it and you keep an eye on it but does that but then you've you've not Documenting doesn't do anything. Like, you, like to your point, like you documented it, but at eleven they still have problems. At twelve they still have problems. Mm-hmm. At thirteen they still have problems. So like mm-hmm. you haven't done anything and except you bring awareness and you know you try your best. You try your best to work with the kid. I mean, yeah. like I said, we don't have the solutions to it, but I mean, yeah. there's 
You you don't have to solve the problem, but just when you're in it, when you're in a setting like that, and you see kids coming up, everybody knows the kids that need extra help. Yeah. Or everybody, you know, like they just know that. Like teachers know those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying they have to solve the problem if the parent doesn't want them to do it. But everybody knows, like, hey, they may have it a little bit rougher. Hey, like they're not making friends as easy, you know. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring these things up is because it's the same story over and over yeah. again. You know what I mean? If Patterns, it were, yeah. It's not the captain of the football team doing it, right? <laughs> right it's yeah. not the prom queen doing it. It's the kids that are having a hard time attaching with others and there's similar patterns along the way. And that's why it's like, Hey, I, I just want to be aware and cognizant of yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know? And then for some reason it leads to, I'm going to buy a gun and go do all this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be that way. But. So, and so, so then going to the point about some of the legislation that they're trying to push right now about mental health. If you have that stigma of mental health or attached to you, mm-hmm. you can't buy a firearm. That that is going. That is some of the stuff that they're talking about mm-hmm. in Congress and mm-hmm. pushing through the legislation. So yeah, they're talking about juvenile mental health too. Like looking into your, uh, not just you know for adults, but looking into your past, any past mental health issues you had as a juvenile as well. Which which again like. I see. My I get a, your old self is different than what I am at thirty something. I get a little nervous about that too. Like, and, and that's where I think the moderate side of thing comes in with me because, okay, so five six years ago, you know, I was battling some panic attacks. Is that considered anxiety and mental health? And now you're not going to let me buy a gun mm-hmm. yeah. to protect my family because I had some panic attacks, right? Mm-hmm. Who makes that decision? Right. So exactly. that's that's, that's where point. I yeah. start to that's where I start to understand like. Where, like, the real far right, like, don't touch my stuff, it's a slippery slope. I see why they're saying that, but that's where it's like, hey, can we at least have a conversation? Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's not about the gun. Maybe it's about the magazine, right? Do you need to have 300? You need to have, a, a, I don't know, 300. Can you have a smaller magazine? I don't know. But well, Again, what you just said, mm-hmm. who determines that? It's not your place to determine what I can own. Again, this is what... Is it? Is, why do you need to determine how many rounds I can have in a clip? At the age of 18, for example, I, at the, the state can already tell you, hey, you got to be 16 to drive your, your car. Now, I know it's not an amendment or a right to drive a car. I understand mm-hmm. that. But as like your first, you know, like I think about, OK, if you're going to buy your first gun at 18, right, here's everything you want. Or do you have to prove, hey, you can have this many at a time mm-hmm. and then you can get more and then you can get more. I don't know. It's a conversation point. But again, the the rule is you have to be 16 to drive a car mm-hmm. legally on the highways and the roads. Right. I come from a smaller town. We were driving cars in the back country in the past, pastures going back and forth. Sure. And down the dirt roads yep. because... I'm talking about weapons that are obtained legally. I, but again, I'm saying like the rule of the the law... People don't care about the law. People I are going to go around the law and do what they want to do. Sure. I mean, how many how many expired tags do you see on temp tags right now on cars that are like I understand old. I'm just talking about deterrence. I'm talking about an extra step that could deter somebody. But but do, does that work? That's the question. Does that deter? We haven't work? tried it. Yeah. I don't know. I think the well, uni- I think the universal background check thing should be. I don't know about the background checks what? though, because none of these ki- nobody has a back. Like, it's not it's not felonious people that are walking into these schools and killing people. They don't have a record yet. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I, I don't know about the background checks. And and going back to your statement about it hasn't been done yet, there are states that re, that do restrict how many, uh, how big a mag you have. New York, I think. New York, one. California, and there is like data out there that doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter in what setting though. As in. V- Bad guys will still find a way to shoot you with whatever. Rats. I understand that. I so, know. I know. I'm talking about. I I know that bad guys are still going to do bad things. I I completely understand that. I do. I'm talking about in a situation where it's repeatedly young men that are going in and legally buying weapons with a ton of ammo and then causing problems. Mm-hmm. I understand evil's evil. I get that. I do. But so, that's that's where I'm looking at a situation. I'm like, well, is there a way that you can graduate up? Don't know. Me neither. And I was simply making the statement that, like, say you do restrictive of magazines, mm-hmm. there's ways to get around it. That it there's that ways to get around it. That an 18 year old who you know. So do we not try? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, of course. There's ways to get around everything. Yeah. A- absolutely. Temp tags to your point. Oh yeah. Back roads. You know, drinking and driving. There's. Also, at the time the Second Amendment was written, did they know we were going to have all these powerful weapons in the future? I mean... No, and I don't want it to come across either that I'm anti-Second Amendment. Right, I, no. I think I think people should de- people have a right to own a firearm. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of the process of which we do it. I just don't agree with the, the suggestion that some have made that, well, you can't, you can't do anything to limit firearms. Well... I think you can. I mean, even you know that's the battle. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the argument and the conversation. That's like very hot topic that Mm -hmm. we are not going to solve in the basement of my house on a Wednesday night. No, and I'm not interested in solving it necessarily. I'm just trying to throw it out there. Like I, I good people, good people deserve to protect themselves and their families, Mm -hmm. right? How do you? Help deter. I mean, I look at the city of Chicago. Gun control, in air quotes, doesn't work. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about restricting gun ownership. I'm talking about do you get the keys to the entire castle right away? I mean, there is a saying that, like, uh, locked. So, for example, your house and your car. Locked doors keep people honest. A bad guy coming up, he's going to test your doorknob. Mm-hmm. It's locked. I'm moving on. Yeah. And... To your point, that is what you're, you're saying is deter it, make it harder to do the yeah. to do the stuff mm-hmm. will deter people. I have video of somebody trying to get into my car here at my house because mm-hmm. they walked the neighborhood at five in the morning testing doors. Tried my doors, they were locked, moved on. Yeah. He moved on to another car somewhere, maybe got into that one. Absolutely. So it, so it, it, keeps, the, them, it keeps them honest for a moment, mm-hmm. and if but if they are if they do, if they are wanting to do the bad deed, they're going to find ways to do it. That's, but I still lock my car. To your point, yeah. I still lock my car. But you take care of your business. But I take yeah. care of my business, and my property. Mm-hmm. So yep. So to that point, you know, when you're talking about schools or public buildings and stuff like that, present deterrence and training, and I love hearing that our. You know, St. Charles County folks. Everybody is like well trained. Mm-hmm. Deterrence. I think. I, I think it. having the having the thing at the St. Charles County. I know there's been a lot of posts on Facebook about the media blast about. Hey, if you're interested, in, you know, here's more information about it. I'm glad they're proactively talking to our community and saying Absolutely. we are safe. I feel better after listening to the county council talk and um, discussing it with them, and that we are 
we're in a good spot. I think mm-hmm. I think for for us in our local Winsville, St. Charles County area, yeah. I think we're in a good spot. So yeah. no, I that that makes me feel really good because I think that's a big step in the right direction. Yep. You know what I mean? So we are about an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. So this is one of our longer episodes is, yeah. and one of our more, our more sober episodes. Mm-hmm. But uh um I'm glad you guys came down and yep. to uh discuss it today. And mm-hmm. I think uh we got nowhere except for feeling better about uh, our local stuff right now. That's yeah. right. Uh-huh. That's but right. that's the point. I'm just here to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Derek, Brian, all right. guys, till next time. Till next yeah. time. Cheers.